It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where we're posting deals for you night and day as we move further and further into the key time period of bargains for the Christmas shopping season. A lot of sales going on today, including there's a deal I saw today for a 39-inch TV for $59. I mean, prices that are unprecedented. I'm seeing a lot of laptops at $99, and we got these deals for you at Clark Deals. Uh, Speaking of no deal, there's emails circulating with special bargains, coupons for you, things like that that are all frauds to try to load viruses on your computer. I'm going to tell you what to look out for and what to avoid. And coming up later, there are roughly 100 million American adults who are not going to be able to step on an airplane under new rules. And I want to tell you what you have to do, how you'd know if you're one of those 100 million and how you fix the problem, and that's coming up for you later. So I want to talk about something coming at the first of the year that is an enormous benefit to consumers. And it was a law passed by the state of California that you would have thought would only apply to residents of the state of California. But already... It's having national effects. You know, one of the things that we lack in the United States are any digital rights to privacy. And so we've got these behemoths of the digital world that collect so much on us and build these deep, deep dossiers on us and use that information to sell us who knows what, to allow others to spy on us, sell off the data for all different nefarious purposes. And because of the breakdown and political functioning in Washington, the technology is moving much faster than a do-nothing Congress to do anything about this. So California mimicked a law in Europe that has worked magnificently called the right to be forgotten. If you were not a public figure, you have the right in Europe to have the information about you wiped out so that people can't snoop on you, uh, can't build these databases about you and all the rest. The technology industry in the United States is terrified of the type of law that Europe has. So California, ironically enough, the home of most of the big technology companies, really it's California and Washington State, have so much dominance in that area, California defied all the tech firms and passed a right-to-be-forgotten law. And so how does this affect you if you live in one of the other 49 states? Well, it's been expected for months that companies would go ahead and follow the California standard wherever you lived. And Microsoft has now announced they are going to do so. 
Microsoft is a significant player, but it's not the same as defiant Facebook that feels like it was born with the right to do whatever it wanted to with anybody's private data in the United States, and also Google. But having Microsoft do this is a big step in the right direction, and I believe that what technologists have thought with this law for a good while is that it would lead to companies following the California standard in other states. And we'll see how that plays, but this is a great first step. The real answer, though, is we should have the right under federal law to block what companies have and information about us, to have whatever is in their databases deleted. And I know that all the technology firms whined and cried and said it would be impossible to do it when Europe passed this years ago, and it's worked after initial bumps. It's worked flawlessly since, and you regain your right to your personal privacy, your personal state, your personal privacy, your personal, what's the word? Personal space? Anyway, whatever. You get the idea. And if we had people in Washington who actually cared about the voters, we would already have this. But, you know, in Washington, the only people who have access to our elected leaders are the big money crowd. And that is such a disconnect in our country that's why so many people feel so cynical about the modern political environment we live in. And this doesn't matter if an elected official is a Democrat or a Republican. It is the way Washington works that money buys access and money buys you what you want and the rest of us are just forgotten about. Alex is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alex. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Alex. How can I serve you today? Because it sounds like you've already been doing a great job serving yourself. Right. So when I started getting out of college, I started putting uh, 10% of my income into a money market account for my emergency savings, trying to build that up. Right out my of college. Build up right out of college. You know, that is so impressive. And I spoke to I spoke to a, uh, a group of kids yesterday that were middle schoolers. And I said to them that what I talk about is probably really boring to all of you. But there's only one thing I want you to know and I want you to remember. And that is get a job as soon as you can as a teenager. And from that point forward, save a dime of every dollar you make your whole life. And you'll have so much more control and power in your own life. And they got that. So <laughs> good. And and you know that already. And that right. will that will change the future direction of your life that you did that starting right out of college. Right. So I got up and my goal was to get a uh, three months worth of expenses in that account. And I'm just about there. So I'm wondering, once I get there, do I continue building for six months? Do I take that 10% and start putting that towards the debts that I have? Or do I put that towards uh, pre-income 
retirement savings or pre-tax retirement savings. Well, you might want to do post-tax retirement savings. We'll get to that in a second. So tell me what kind of debts you have. So I have federal student loans um, between three and a half and four point four percent. That's about sixteen, seventeen thousand. I have a private loan for the next nine years at four point four percent, and I have a vehicle loan for the next three years. Um, that's about eleven thousand right now, and that's at four percent. Okay, the vehicle loan I don't care about because it pays off in what I consider to be a matter of months. So that that is not anything that should be a priority. But even though it's three years out? Yeah, that's okay. Because you just okay. said to me you had a private loan that you're paying out over nine years. And right. th- that would be a really good priority to take this money that you're uh, saving every month moving forward. Instead, put all of that towards the 4.4% private student loan. Okay. Private student loans have so many negative features to them. I can't even say features. So many negative aspects to them that killing that off would be great. I mean, if you took what you're paying right now into your rainy day fund and you took it and you put it against that private student loan, how long would it take you to wipe out that balance? How much did you say was on that? Uh, about... 29000 that would more than double the current monthly payment if I put my savings into my current 10% into that. That would be money very well spent. Okay. And I would make that, you seem so disciplined that that's where the priority would be. And so you would pay okay. it off. If you pay roughly double what you're paying right now, instead of nine years, you'd probably wipe it out in four. Okay. And so you'd be done with um, the car loan in three and the private loan in four, and you just keep paying the as agreed payments on the 16000 in federal student loan debt, and you change the profile of your life in just a few years from carrying $45,000 in student loan debt to by the time you paid off that private loan and you continue to pay as agreed on the federal, you should have student loan debt that'll be somewhere like probably around 13000 quick back the envelope math and you're making all this possible because of the discipline you're showing in your own life living on less than what you make good for you john joins us on the clark howard show hello john hi clark pleasure to be on your show well great to have you here and you're thinking of going to mexico yes uh my friend and i would like to travel to uh san miguel in San Miguel uh, de Allende. Yes, beautiful place. Yeah, my daughter has spent many weeks there before. And, oh. And uh, she loved that city. It's a, it's a terrific place. And uh, we are hoping to travel there between, say, the 15th of February and the 22nd. Uh, and our question uh, to you is, is there an optimal time to sort of pull the trigger on uh, the uh, buying the, uh, the tickets, the uh, air, air, airline tickets? All right. So keep um, tracking the fares. Yep. And have you set up fare alerts on any of the travel sites? 
Yes, uh, we're getting uh, daily Google uh, alerts and kayak alerts and, you know, the prices will fluctuate. They'll go up one day and go down the next day. Uh, so but if, we you wondered see, if, there if was... you see one of those alerts that says the fare is uh, significantly lower than normal, yes. don't get greedy. Just go ahead and buy it. Even if it's, go for it. Yeah. Even if a cheaper fare comes along later, know that you got a really good fare when you know with the algorithms being so sophisticated with historical average fares yes when, when there's a good one you should grab it grab it immediately yeah now a lot of the flights that uh if i remember you fly into leon is that right that's right uh which is about an hour away from san miguel right a lot of the flights into leon though are on 50 passenger jets and they don't get as many deals into there as into airports that have a lot of full-size jets flying in. Oh, but, that's interesting. So Mexico City gets the bigger capacity jets. Yes, and that doesn't mean all the planes that fly into Leon are the little ones, but they often are. Um, but but look for deals specifically on the Friday of Thanksgiving week, Black Friday, because it became a thing uh, earlier this decade that travel suppliers started posting really good travel deals on Black Friday. Oh, great. Okay. So you may have an opportunity on Black Friday. Otherwise, there will be sales on airfares. There always are right after the 1st of January, but that may make you too nervous for a February trip. I think we will we will try both of those options. I think we'll look at the Black Friday, and I think we can be patient and uh, wait till after the first. That sounds like a great plan. But just remember, don't be greedy. If there's a, <laughs> if there's something that pops up that says this is significantly lower than normal, go ahead and buy it, and then stop looking at the fares and stop the alerts so you don't later get mad at yourself that you missed a better deal. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like very sound a uh, sound policy there. Yes, great. Because I have had the circumstance where I did not turn off alerts, and after I bought a ticket, it comes up cheaper, and I feel like an idiot, and I should just be happy that I got a good deal instead of the best possible deal. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a tip-off for you to be very wary through the entire Christmas shopping season when you get a special bargain in your text messages or in your email third place it might show up is social media scams ripoffs outrages it's a clark regis moment there have been a number of these scams uh last christmas it was a big one concerning walmart where people were getting fake um walmart gift card solicitations saying that they had won a gift card in a contest or whatever they were worded a number of different ways. What happened instead of you actually getting a gift card was if you clicked on the link, you got very serious viruses on your phone or your computer. And there's a new one today, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, that is supposedly from Costco, but not at all. And it's circulating all over the country where it says that Costco is giving away a $75 coupon. And as Costco said, I love this. While we love our fans and our members, this offer is a 
all capital letters, SCAM, (laughs) and in no way affiliated with Costco. And so they said that this is a, as, as I just said a minute ago, these are recurring hoaxes. So these scams are showing up as internet pop-ups. Uh, there are a, a variety of ways that these are appearing as uh, websites, which I did not mention, social media posts as well. So anytime during these next six weeks that you get any kind of notification by text, social media, email, a pop-up ad on any website you're on that says you've gotten this free coupon, this free gift card, this free voucher, know that odds are virtually 100%, assume 100% that it's a scam with nothing good coming next. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. So here we are. 18 plus years out from the September 11th terrorist attacks and one of the laws that was passed in the aftermath goes fully into effect in late summer of next year and it's something that I've talked about occasionally people have called in and asked about it but now it's becoming real and it's real ID A number of people have real ID, but according to a story that I have just seen in the Los Angeles Times, 100 million American adults don't have real ID yet. And what this is, is an ID where you've been vetted through a number of procedures by your state. Each state is deputized by the federal government to do a full verification of every adult in that state and issue you an ID that usually, if you have a driver's license or you have a state ID, there will be a star in the upper right corner of your driver's license, a thing that 100 million Americans don't have. In addition, one of the things you won't be able to do is you won't be able to fly on a commercial flight without either that or a passport. So your driver's license will have to have, or state-issued ID, will have to have that star that shows you're in compliance with real ID, or you have to have a passport. The number of American adults that don't have any form of identification that will allow them to travel by air is 40%. So two out of every five American adults starting late summer of next year will not be able to fly. Now, here's what's going to happen. The uh, full fare airlines are already taking reservations for the travel period when this goes into effect, American United and Delta. So far, only American, when somebody buys a ticket in the travel period after Real ID goes into effect, only American has alerts that pop up with warnings because you're going to get to the airport and there's going to be millions of people who never hear about this. They're going to get to the airport and they're going to lose their trip because they're not in compliance. And 
Delta and United, uh, since you're already taking reservations for this travel period, do at least the level that Americans doing, but there should be an automatic pop-up when anybody books a flight for that travel period starting late summer that warns you that you will not be able to fly if you don't have real ID. What American has is and there's a link that explains the program to you. And as other airlines open up reservations for late summer of next year, they should do the same kind of thing. And it's not right that people would buy a ticket, be stuck with the loss of that money, and the airline that took that money did nothing to inform them that they have to comply with this. So I want you to know, and I don't want you to wait till after Memorial Day, because if you do, as word spreads, there's no way, no way state driver's license offices can handle processing 100 million people in a very short period of time. It's not going to be able to be done. And the wait times for driver's licenses is going to get ridiculous. And so if you are somebody who even occasionally flies, you need to get out your driver's license, see if you've got that star. If you don't, contact your state driver's license folks and find out if you can go ahead and make an appointment, because many states now make an appointment for this, and come in and have your identity verified and the ID issued. So the reason for this is to prevent a terrorist from being able under false ID to buy a ticket and fly. Um, The weird thing about it, I mean, let's face it, if a terrorist is willing to die for his or her cause, I'm sure they're happy to fly under their real ID too. They're not worried about flying under an assumed one. But this was in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks. This was assumed to be a way to prevent a terrorist from acting on airplanes, acting up on airplanes. And so it's just one additional precaution that we all need to be part of. Will is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Will. Hello, Clark. So, Will, you're doing something really great, potentially, in your life. What's that? Um, I was going to uh, be paying off one student loan and paying a um, lump sum, or paying part of another student loan off. Um, And I was wondering if I need to know anything before I pay off uh, part of this, or pay off one student loan. You uh, want to make sure that. you want to make sure you get records mm-hmm. from the lender that you pay off with that the loan has been paid in full. Mm-hmm. And with the one that you're doing a substantial payment on, you want to keep hard copy records that they re- reflected that payment and that it mm-hmm. duly and appropriately reduced the balance on that second loan instead of there are some dishonest lenders that instead will treat your loan as paid ahead mm-hmm. instead of a prepayment of principal so that you end up paying all the interest anyway that you should have negated by paying a lump sum against an outstanding balance. Mm-hmm. And so those are the key precautions, but there's one thing, this is going to just flip you out, okay? 
when mm-hmm. you pay off a student loan, the records of that payoff you need to maintain forever where that loan has been successfully paid off. Because under the law, the way it works with student loans, if, let's say, a loan is sold or whatever, records get messed up. Whatever reason, the fact that that loan has been paid is never properly reflected. Mm -hmm. And then 10, 20, 30 years from now, there's no statute of limitations on student loans. Um, Unfortunately, we've had calls from people who claim they have paid off a student loan many decades before and that they are being uh, garnished because you don't even have to prove in court that a student loan is outstanding or delinquent to be able to garnish somebody's checking or savings or paycheck when it Mm -hmm. involves a student loan. It's a special right given to student loan lenders. So that's why keeping records forever for a student loan is perhaps more key and more important than any other type of loan you'll have the rest of your life. Okay. So I think it's great that you've got enough money to kill off one and pay substantially down on another. How many total student loans do you have? I'm looking at about 30, and I'm planning on cutting that by about two-thirds this year. So Doesn't that feel great? Oh, yeah, it feels uh, great, and hopefully uh, cutting off the last half in the next uh, couple months or so, or last third. That is really, really something you should be so proud of yourself for. When you're done with them because of the discipline you've shown, go do something really nice for yourself to celebrate. We'll do it, and uh, thank you for everything, Clark. Certainly. And John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hi, Clark. How's it going? Wonderful, John. So you got four kids you're trying to prevent because that's two callers we've had already in this show who were dealing with student loan debt. You got four kids you're trying to keep out of harm's way from student loans. Yeah, so I've got four kids and they're 16, 15, 14, and 12. And so they're getting close to going on to college. And I've got four different... Okay, how did you get through... (laughs) Those preschool years with four kids, four and under? Um, yeah, and we actually brought it on ourselves. The four kids are all adopted from Kazakhstan, so it's we brought it on wow. ourselves. So, but, um, yeah, so it was tough and maybe crazy. So we've got five, we've got four 529 plans for them, and they're each set on a target date for them going to college. But my intent is to use the whole bundle of all four to fund wherever the need is. So some may use more, some may use less. And so the first or the oldest son, um, his account is basically getting less and less aggressive because he's going to be going to college. And should I allow that to be more aggressive since I've basically got four accounts that I can draw from for the college for all four and let it keep running at a more aggressive rate? That's an interesting thought, and normally I would say, thinking about your strategy, I'd say, yeah, why don't you instead uh, change the focus to a different age-based portfolio mix? But because um, as you move to younger ages for an age-based portfolio, more and more is stock-based, and the stock market has had 
a 10-year run. Most of the, the gain was in the first five years of that, but still we've had 10 years of really great gains in the stock market. Uh, values are, are pretty rarefied. There's a really decent chance that in the time cycle of when your kids will enter college, that we're going to have a significant market correction. Nothing like after the banking scandals last decade where things collapsed, but we're due a correction or a bear market. So you having the mix where you've got uh, the portfolios becoming steadily more conservative is actually, I think, a better idea because your youngest is still only six years from being a college freshman. If yeah, you think correct. about somebody okay. with a retirement portfolio, six years to them feels like retirement's just like next door. But we don't really think about that with a 529 portfolio because you know we're dealing with at most an 18-year cycle till a kid, 18 or 19 years till a kid enters college. So it's a much shorter window. So I okay. say don't mess with it. Okay, let it let it get more. Um, conservative exactly so let's say your 16 year old uh, scholarships out or goes to a very affordable college or works while in school and there's money left over for the 15 14 and 12 year old well what you do is you roll the money down the hill you change the beneficiary from once you're comfortable the 16 year old doesn't need the rest of the money just change the beneficiary to the now 15 year old and then when the 15 year old reaches a point that uh, he or she doesn't need all the money, then change the beneficiary designation of the 14-year-old, and the 12-year-old's got to hope a lot of money rolls downhill. <laughs> rolls through, yeah. Right. That'd be great. Okay. So you'd Thanks, end Mark. up with the second, third, and fourth child each at some point along the way having two 529 accounts. Okay. But Thank you. that's just fine and great to do, and every dollar... You having that 529 reduces a dollar that a kid may have to borrow for school, and that's great. But never do it at a harm to saving for your own retirement. Is it Vibert? Is that how I say your name? Yes, it is. Hi, it's great to have you here. So you got that's a question good. for me about online banks. Yes, I'm trying to find out how do I uh, critique or get information on an online bank. How do you critique? Say that again, please. Get information on an online bank. So as long as an online bank is FDIC insured, you're good to give them a try. If you're only going to use an online bank for a savings account, we never, as best I can recall, we have never had a consumer complaint from anybody at any time in all these years about a savings account they've had with an online bank. It seems to be such a simple account that the complaint rate is pretty much near zero or is zero. So as long as, as it truly is FDIC insured, go for it. What are you being okay, offered thanks. by an online bank? Uh, it's a joint account like. So is that a savings account or a checking account? A checking account. Okay. So... Um, doing a checking account with an online bank is something that a lot of people who are older are not comfortable with, and people that are younger think it's the only way it should be done. 
And I'm trying to think about complaints we've had with checking accounts for online banks. I can't recall any of those either, even though that's a more complicated relationship. I mean, one of the things I just read an article about the other day, Vibert, is that banks don't know what to do with all these branches that serve no purpose anymore because people under 40 don't ever think about why would anybody ever go into a bank. And, you know, you walk into those banks and they are as unfriendly as they could possibly be with, you know, with the bulletproof glass and and they're so, um, they're so for. Uh, they're kind of an uncomfortable, foreboding kind of environment. And so if you see an online account you'd like to use, I'd say go for it. Okay, thank you, Clark. Save the money. And uh, hopefully you won't be the first person ever to call us and say, that online bank was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Hopefully that will never happen. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And producer Joel will ask your question for you. By the way, if you want me to directly speak with you, check the box on clark.com slash ask when you fill out your question. All right, Clark. Sanjeev has a question. He says, Clark, you have started advising callers about longevity insurance. Do you even realize that longevity insurance is another name for the hated curse word annuity? On one hand, you advise annuities are bad, and on the other hand, you're advising to get longevity insurance. What's the deal? Okay, that is such a valid point. So um, annuities are a cuss word on our show, because almost all annuities are garbage. But there are certain types of annuities that I do support and I like. Now, you'll never hear about a longevity insurance policy from an insurance agent because they make basically no commission from them. But what you do is you give a lump sum, usually at age 60, 65, somewhere in there, that only pays if you hit a certain milestone, usually age 85. So, uh, you know, a lot of people don't live to age 85. So what it pays from 85 the rest of your life is a huge amount of money per month based on what you put in. But the thing is with these, you can let all the rest of your money expire from your life by age 85, but if you haven't, the longevity insurance will pay for your life's needs for as long as you do live. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.